The world of man was brought to its knees with a zombie apocalypse. 150 years have passed since man has clawed and climbed his way from the brink of extinction. Civilization has rebooted. Man and women have begun to rebuild and create communities and societies. It is on this fragile new shaky ground that a threat worse than the scourge of the dead has sprung. One man finds himself once again thrust into the forefront of a war he wants nothing to do with and seemingly cannot win. It's lichens, werewolves, vampires, and zombies. Oh my. Follow along in Lichen Fallout Book 1, Rise of the Werewolf. This is the Chronicles of Michael Talbot, the podcast. All right, guys, let's get into it. Lichen Fallout. Are we ready? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So to start, for those of you newbies that don't know what Lichen is, Lichen Fallout takes place a couple dozen decades or so after the events of Indian uh, Indian Fallout, uh, Zombie Fallout. Mike is now a miserable old man. The world has fallen into chaos. It's basically been reset. So there's no towns, there's no cities, there's now back to villages. There's no automobiles, there's no airplanes, uh, there's nothing. It's mm-hmm. it's the old west, it's it's Game of Thrones style, people on horseback and shit like that. And yep. Tommy comes and visits Mike every year, leaves him a morsel of food in the shape of a cow or a horse or something like that out on his property. Mike is squatting in Ron's basement, just living like a hermit. Everybody's died. He's got everybody's ashes and a little tin buckets right next to him. Uh, when the book starts, the year is 2167. <sighs> Mike leaves a cow. Uh, Tommy leaves a cow for Mike and says, see you next year. Basically, you miserable little prick. Comes back next year and he leaves him a dog, a little dog, a puppy. Named Purpose. A Purpose. And this is where it begins because Mike is like, son of a bitch, you left me a dog. I'm not going to eat a dog. He puts his fangs to, puts his mouth to, because if we forget, Mike is part vampire now. And Uh he's outlived everybody. And he is trying his best not to be a vampire and just live the rest of his life unshowered, unlike the rest of us tonight. Um, living in Ron's basement that is falling apart, collapsing down on top of him while the world goes to hell. He has no idea what is going on on the outside world because Maine or the northern part of Maine that he is living in is now Micmac territory. So it has gone back to the indigenous people that roamed the lands centuries beforehand. And Tommy comes back, leaves him a dog. And this is when Mike kind of comes to life a little bit so hey uh jeff can i add something in yeah go ahead this is said i believe this is said in one of the later books but and one of the things that he said in one of the later like in books to pass the time for the 200 years he was there was he said that since he became a vampire he remembers everything like a movie like he can remember everything so he'll just select memories like a movie and he'll just relive his old memories a poor bastard um, because he's got some bad memories. Alive. Yeah, and that's something that always made me sad was mm-hmm. he, his family died and he just sits in that house for a hundred years 
reliving the good times before the apocalypse, <laughs> reliving the times when his kids and family were alive. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be, I cannot imagine living that long. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And all you have to do the past, to pass the time is relive your old memories. Yeah. Wow. There's no TV, there's no cable. There's, yeah. you know, I no think, iPods, I don't think, no PlayStations, there's nothing. <laughs> I think if there was cable, iPods, PlayStations, I don't think he would even watch it. I think he would still be just looking at his old memories and missing his family. No, no. So what attracted you guys to this story so much? Because in my opinion, and I know this probably isn't a very popular one because I'm not a huge werewolf guy. This is probably my least favorite of all his series and all of his books. I love it. But it's my least favorite out of all of them. Nate's ready to jump through the screen at me. I don't agree. <laughs> I'm not a werewolf guy either, but it's not really a werewolf. It's not like some cheesy werewolf book. Right. I My favorite thing is it's Mike dealing with the consequences of being a vampire, dealing with having no soul, dealing with not having his family left, dealing with, you know, immortality. I think... I don't remember if it was this book or another book. It's called Immortality's Touchstone. That's one of the book names he named one of the Lycan's books. I think it's a really good name because he's realizing the consequences of immortality. So I don't think it's just a Lycan book. I feel it. I think it's more Mike dealing with the consequences of what he did on that uh, roof all those years ago, you know, becoming a vampire. Okay, good point. Amber, what attracts you to this story? Honestly, it was after Zombie Fallout, and I think I was waiting for Book 20 to come out, so I was like, why not jump into Lycan Fallout? I was like, cool. Mm-hmm. And then literally, what, the first two chapters, you know, Mike is a complete badass. He has no fuckery at all. He's just completely in his element, and I, I really, really like was drawn to it, especially since Tommy came so early in the book, too. Mm-hmm. Tommy's such a beloved character, so the fact that he was like pronounced in the book in like 10 sentences like i loved it so i was it just kept me hooked yeah i feel like like and fallout was some of mark's best writing honestly i feel like he just he did really good on the series yeah it it definitely seems like it's his most i don't want to say mature writing but i think it's his more like there's less comedy in this story because it's more tragic there's still comedy elements of it because you got mike and BT's great, great, great granddaughter, however she yeah. is, um, and the whole stuff with Tommy. But it's more of a serious post-utopia. The world's gone to shit. Everybody's going to get eaten by werewolves. We got to, you know, rise up and, and join together, in mm-hmm. my opinion, is, is how, how I read it. I mean, I've read it. I listened to it three times in the past week just to, you know, to cram and get ready for tonight. So everything is kind of stuck in my head, which I'm probably going to forget a ton of shit like I do every week, but that's just how it is. <laughs> but I, I like the story because it's, it's different. It's different than distance, mm-hmm. which takes place after, you know, years after the incidences of Indian Hill. I like that it's a continuation of zombie follow, but he wrote it after book six. So book seven wasn't even out yet. And he's already talking about BT leaving, which doesn't happen until yeah. book 16. So it's okay. Did he make a timeline and did he realize that this was happening or did he always have in his mind that BT one day was going to leave? It, I think it actually kind of blew my mind listening to like the very beginning. Cause of course you, you listen to so many books, you forget like the first, 
couple seconds of a regular book. But I think it kind of like blew me away that he was like um, that uh, uh, BT wasn't going to be in there. And that um, also it was kind of mind boggling that he said you, you don't have to read excuse me, any of his other books before you read this one. I feel like it just builds on the context. Like, it's mm-hmm. not necessary, but I think if you could just, if you listen to all the descriptives of BT in the other books, and then you think of his daughter, I mean, his great-great-granddaughter, like, you're like, yo, she gotta be, she gotta be a goddess. Like, she absolutely gotta be, like, <laughs> a, an epitome of a walking goddess. And yeah. it's like, it, it kind of builds more of the, momentum of the book um <clears throat> when you have those emotional connections that you have from the other characters from zf like i couldn't imagine going only getting up to zf6 and then jumping in a like a fallout like i thought like i said i was on book 19 waiting for 20 to come out and <laughs> i was ready for it and i was like yeah i'll just I'll read this next series of books and i loved it wait so you just started like and fallout I no i've read it like three times all of them Oh wow, that's quick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely definitely think you're right. Like going to like and fallout after not listening to zombie fallout would be insane. I feel like like and fallout, it just you build such an emotional connection with the characters through 20 zombie books, and then you hear you know small snippets about them in like and fallout and just makes it all that more emotional. Yeah, like if 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 Mike says all oh, trip and like and fallout, you're not gonna have that ping. If you don't know what happens to Trip in DF, so it's like I love got, the comments. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think that um, it, the book can definitely stand on its own, but it definitely is um, for me more enjoyable to have those additional uh, uh, antics and back knowledge of what the heck is really going on. Yeah, agreed, one hundred percent. I tried to listen to it as a standalone and not, you know, we know what happened in ZF, but it makes you want to listen to ZF. And I think everybody in the twofold world has, I think they all started with zombie fallout or 98% mm-hmm. started with zombie fallout and then listen to the rest. So this is kind of one of those books that if you came across this one first, you'd be like, who's this BT guy? What's a zombie fallout? What is this? Let me get into this, which is, you know, spanning 20 books and you know 21 is coming out in a couple of months mm-hmm. or at least the cover is according to the cover it's coming out but it, it makes you want to go back and read everything because every story that he's written has made me want to read another one they all kind of mm-hmm. interconnect with the exception of um like we talked about last week well even callus rose has bt in it which that i think all his books have some type of connection Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean like all of his books have some type of connection like because like if I would have read Shrouded Worlds before I read Callous Rose I wouldn't have understand BT and, 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 and Shrouded Worlds you know what I mean I wouldn't have understood like what that why you're afraid of a gun like what the heck is going on who's this girl you said you shot so there's like so there's 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 additional layers that helps you when mm-hmm. you read when you get to read his other books that's how I get you that's how Mark gets you he said, <laughs> he said he doesn't try to trap you in his book in his uh twofold world but that's how he gets you in there he's alive oh, oh yeah that's one of my favorite parts is when you know when you're reading through like it, it gives you more of a reason to read all of his books because they're all interconnected you so want concept you want concept connectors so bad and mm-hmm. it just it's and it's just like a little snippet more like a little snippet more, like like I said, I'm trying to read, I'm trying to get to um, Shroud of Rose right now, and the fact that Calendar's in there, 
you know what I mean? Blows my mind. I'm like, oh. That's yeah. his first danger. But this is where you meet Calendar. So if yeah. you didn't read, I read Shrouded World first. So when I got to Dima Fun, I'm like, Calendar's in this. You wouldn't know never, who Calendar kind of is or the backstory of, of why he's there. It's just, holy shit, there's a big red demon named Calendar. And you kind of like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm like, he oh, came along at some point. Like, I think I did, it's more it, like him than Shrouded World. I'm not sure. Is say I, that again? So I, I think I read Lake and then Shrouded World, so I was a little confused in Demon Fallout. Yep. So. Yeah, but I will say, and this is the only thing I'll say about Demon Fallout. We'll get to that when we get to that. But did you also realize that Bob was in Shrouded World and now Bob was in Demon Fallout too? I didn't notice that until I saw something on the discussion uh, on the Facebook page. I didn't no- notice that for the longest time. It's not Bob, but it's Bob's species. Yeah, I did notice that. That I'm drawing a. I I obviously haven't read these in over a year, so I'm drawing a blank on who Bob is, and I'm looking forward to 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 reading about him. Bob's the big blob character that saves Mike. Oh, the blob. Okay, okay, okay. Blob the blob. Uh, Bob the blob. Okay. And then uh, and then he's the thing that calls Mike milk and Demon Fallout. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's uh, the same species as Bob. Okay. Okay. Yep. I know what you're saying. And we got Tim. Coming up too. Oh Tim my god! Making I a comeback. Tim. Tim's my favorite character. Character, you guys know that Tim. That's my best character. I love him. We may have to worry about you, Nate. Then, if Tim's your favorite, I know. Character. I just got hey, a flash of my right <laughs> now. If you said if that, if a character can make me laugh, then I love him. And Tim, anytime he's on screen, he makes me laugh. He's the funniest motherfucker. Yeah. So yeah, funny. he was good. And um, I'm hoping. Well, he's not gonna be back. But in um. Uh, Devil's Desk. It would have been great to have oh, Tim. And- that, he was so good in Devil's Desk, especially when he was killing all those um, Yetis. That was amazing. Yep. I've been. I'm, I'm, about, I'm about to re-listen to it just for that scene when they're in the house and he's killing all the Yetis. <laughs> it's a good scene. It's a good scene. So, mm-hmm. so he's in this world. It's all brand new, and the, literally the first town that Mike goes into, he gets in a fight. Of course. Which is hilarious. Which is yep. hilarious. What I think that the best part about this, and when he walks into the saloon and he's talking about, you know, he wishes it had the old time doors or whatever, because Tommy comes and gets him out and tells him, listen, the, the world's gone to shit. You got to come with us. You know, Marty, you got to come back to the future. Something's got to be done about your kids kind of thing. Um, there are now lichen. And Mike's like, what the hell? What is going on? There's no more zombies, supposedly. The zombies are all gone. So Mike goes out with Tommy in the first town they come upon, Robertstown, which is used to be Portland. Mike gets into a bar fight. Now, I think mm-hmm. Mark missed a perfect Star Wars reference opportunity when Mike walks into the bar and the bartender says, we don't serve their kind here. Or he mm-hmm. said that they don't serve them here, meaning the dog. He didn't want Augie or Purpose, as we know at the time, in the bar. That mm-hmm. is a perfect Star Wars moment when Luke walks into the cantina with the droids and he says, we don't serve their kind here. You know? Yeah. He could have just yeah. done that subtle little Star Wars reference that he does in every book. And I was, I was kind of disappointed that he didn't do it, but I'm sure he had his reasons. <laughs> So, but um, he, he gets into a fight and Mike goes all John Wick on this guy because Clyde, um, he, he gets into the bar, gives the guy some gold, and then he tells him that he's got to go. 
and Mike goes outside and the barkeep locks the door and Mike knows that some shit's going to go down, that there are three guys out in the street ready to jump him. One guy's yep. got a whip, one guy's got a pitchfork, and the other guy's got something. It didn't really, I think it was just a, a big ass. Knife. A rake. A rake. Yes. Thank you. And the guy says that he's going to, you know, hurt the dog. And Mike's like, you know, you can say whatever you want about me, but you ain't talking about my dog. And it always goes back to the dog. It's like, always. Dog. <laughs> always. And uh, he ends up pulling like a, a, a Tim from Devil's Desk, pulls a mind fuck on him where he talks him out of basically fighting him because, or the first two guys at least, because Mike talks him out of fighting him like, you're going to do this? Oh, wait, I'm going to do this to you. And then I'm going to come kill your whole family in his total mind messery that Mike does. Uh-huh. It turns out that the last guy, Clyde, is the constable's or the judge's brother-in-law. And, you know, basically Mike grabs him by the neck and is going to kill him. And it's the sheriff in town is still the old West sheriff. It kind of reverts back to that where it's, you know, hey, partner, you're going to be in town. You're a stranger. You're new. They don't take kindly of the strangers around here, that kind of thing. Um. I just thought that whole that whole scene was great. And whenever Clyde, the, the, the dickhead with the whip, and Mike had the great line of, listen, Clyde, if you're going to pick a fight with somebody, make sure they're not a bigger asshole than you are. <laughs> Which facts. I thought was awesome. <laughs> Big facts. Well, you, who brings yeah. a whip to a fight? That's so odd. People way back then. And he missed an Indiana Jones reference, too, I think, in that, in that part. Because Indiana Jones mm, that always carries the bullwhip. That would have been nice. That would have been, nice. but I also I'm I'm loving I'm living the 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 fuckery. Like he like Mike is totally in a fuck it mood, mm-hmm. like 110 percent, and he's tipsy. Probably the first time he's been tipsy in 170 something years. So I feel like um his level of fucking is so low mm-hmm. that I applauded throughout this time. Like at least he gave the two guys a chance. But then he was like, yeah, I got to I got to fuck you up because you're obviously going to try some shit. And I just it just went straight for it. Like no moral dilemma. Like I'm going to try just a little bit and then go on from there. I fully support that decision. Yeah. It's like the prison thing. You take out the biggest guy and he knew Clyde was the biggest guy because he was the ringleader. I'm going to yep. take you out and you're going to go tell all your friends and then see you later. You know, yep. but during this, Tommy's trying to get Mike to drink blood, to channel his inner vampire because he's mm-hmm. going to need strength for what is about to happen. And Mike is refusing yep. and has refused to drink the blood of a human for all these years. He has survived just, you know, living off of animals and things like that. The, the one thing that kind of confused me about this book was it's only a hundred and, uh, what was it, 19, 2067. It's only a hundred and some odd years, but everybody forgets what the world was like before then. Tommy's telling Mike, you know, don't talk about beer. Don't talk about towns. Don't talk about Portland. Don't mention that you're from, you know, this state up that you mentioned from you're up in here in Maine. Nobody knows what airplanes are. There's no Red Sox. There's no baseball. There's no nothing like no historical, I'm going to say no historical documents, but you look at distance. They had a whole library dedicated that they unearthed and they found that let Cedar and Winter know what the world was like beforehand. 
No libraries survived. No books survived. No old timers told anybody anything about what the life was like before the the werewolves and the 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 zombies apocalypse took over. Mm-hmm. Well, think about it. Oh, sorry, Amber. Uh, no, Parker. The way I see it is one. What's the average lifespan in that new world? 30, 40 years old, especially since the zombies came. What's the average lifespan that we're talking four True. or five generations? Mm-hmm. I mean, now that would only be what three generations, but in a time like that, it's probably five, six, seven generations. And two, I think it's we've even seen this. A lot of people probably don't even know how how to read. So even if they found a book, would they know how to read? Would they even know how to read it? Good point. And another yeah. thing is a lot of they might have burned down a lot of libraries while because mike said they were burning down a lot of um of the stasis piles Mm -hmm. a lot of them were in libraries they just burned them down i think my two cents in it think about a zombie apocalypse okay not many intellectuals people who actually give a shit about like science and things like that are going to be i mean they might be the big manipulators that can kind of control a group of people but pretty much you have to be you're worried about survival you know what I mean? You're not necessarily worried about, like, you're worried about food, shelter. Like, you don't, like, God forbid you get somebody pregnant, like, a pregnant wife in the zombie apocalypse got to be the most horrifying thing ever. You know what I mean? And um, and that's what you're focused on. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's strictly survival. So I think a lot of the bare minimum things, like, talking, you know what I mean? I could I could imagine, like, with your, if you have a kid, you're just trying to survive. And, like, you're not here to teach them their ABCs and shit and stuff like that. So it's like, yeah. and you know, books, you need to burn books for, for, um, for warmth. You know what I mean? Those places could have got, could have got destroyed easily in distance. They had a crappy lifestyle, but they at least had a modicum of safety until they were 18. Mm-hmm. So they weren't necessarily in survival mode. They, they knew how to breed. They knew how to expand their mind. They, they were relatively safe. They were just hungry. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's a big difference in, in the world. And, you know, I think even if somebody did have an inkling to save all the knowledge and everything, it's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with it? You know? There's not yeah. much that could really keep pushing forward. So I understand that like a lot of things were lost. And I think when people started to get civilization again, the first thing, first thing is control. It's always control over the masses. Like how do you get the most control? You have mm-hmm. to have some sort of power. So if you say this is my land and you can live here if you do X, Y, and Z, people just kind of fall in line because people want to be controlled in some way or another. Good point. Yeah, I can see both of those. That's a I never even thought about that, that the lifespan of people would be less and you, you'd, people would want control and the men of power would, wouldn't want anybody to learn history because learning about history would mean you would have more knowledge than them and they would want to rise up and, and, and take over. And mm-hmm. the point is they want to keep the people down working for them or keep them scared because everybody's living in their own little villages because they're afraid of what's out there. Mm-hmm. Also, it's- I mean... Sorry, I'm sorry again, Amber. Think about no, like okay. if you went to a lot, say you went, you're an alien visiting Earth and you went to a library. What would they think is how would you decipher realness from not realness? Because I mean, fiction and nonfiction books, they could read, they could pick up zombie fallout and think, oh, this is actually what happened. They don't know what's real and what isn't real either. Mm-hmm. No, good point. And they wouldn't be teaching reading in a zombie apocalypse, I don't think, because. 
is it really essential? You're learning how to survive. Yeah. Yeah. You, you learn off of instincts. You know what I mean? You don't care about reading at that point. It's just like, it's all about instincts and how things are going to be able to change. You know, maybe, maybe in the future, you know what I mean? Like when we get to, when we get further down into the towns, we realize that it is possible to pass on knowledge, but it has to be something so great that everybody sees the importance as you continue to pass it down. And that's how knowledge keeps on going. Yeah. Well, in this series, knowledge is not power. Power is power. Or might is power. Facts. Which is how people try to keep it. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so Mike and Tommy leave um, Robertstown. Clyde Robert follows Lane. them. They know Clyde's going to follow them. And Tommy feeds on Clyde. And Clyde mm-hmm. is gone. Mike still will not feed on a human. And then they see a zeal. Azil shows up and Mike immediately thinks that it's Eliza. He kind of freaks out a little bit because she's got the 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 the, the red cloak. And mm-hmm. Mike kind of freaks and thinks that it's Eliza and kind of sees a glint in Tommy's eye when Mike mentions Eliza. And we'll find out in a later story what kind of that means. But Eliza's back. And if uh sorry, Azil. Am I saying is it Azil? Yeah, Azil. It's Azil. Azil is Eliza backwards, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, and Azil, if you remember from Zombie Fallout 4, was it? That she was back in one of the guy's trucks because they were going to do a spiritual ritual or some kind Damn, of Damn, she popped up in 4? I think no, it, was it was 4. Because 3 or 4, it was one of the last ones with Eliza. Because Eliza I didn't killed early on in the season. She is, was I didn't six, realize it was in the book. Mike is on his way back to the Talbot compound when he finds Azil. Yeah, she's. I know she's in the back of a truck. And she dies at the end of five, and he comes back at six. So okay, all right. It was one of those. Yeah, yeah. I know these books way too well. Um, yeah. So he finds Azil, or Azil finds him, and she gets Mike to to. She's trying to realize get him to 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 drink blood, and so is Tommy to say, "Listen, you still don't fully understand." What is coming for you? So she brings him to a little encampment where she has an old man locked up in a cage. And she lets the old man loose and says, if you kill him, I'll set you free. The old man turns into a lichen or, yeah, he turns into a lichen or a small one or old frail one. And Mike has to battle him. And this is where Mike, the kind of the turning point where he realizes again, okay, this shit's serious. This is what's coming. And Azil is trying to get Mike to realize this is what the world is now. This is what we need. We need full Michael Talbot, vamp power, smart ass, old Marine warrior Talbot to help us fight what is coming. Mm-hmm. So Mike fights the old man and kills him. But during the meantime, Tommy and Azil take off with the dog. And they leave. And Mike yep. is on his own, like, son of a bitch. And he's she tricked pissed. <laughs> he's pissed. He yeah. hates being manipulated. And when he got manipulated big time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, it's, he's an old lichen, but he's still a lichen. And Mike barely hangs on to him and, and, and barely hangs on to his humanity. He gets the Freddy Krueger, scratches across his chest. But he's not going to, he won't turn. All right. So the whole thing with Lycan R, if, if, because they kind of talk about it in Xavier's flashback. Xavier is the head 
the head dude, the head lichen. A lichen, which I never knew was a difference between werewolves, because I'm not a big, you know, I, 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 not a big werewolf lichen guy. For those of you out there that don't know what a lichen is, and you can Google this, because I'm probably going to butcher half of it, but uh, a lichen is a giant, a giant, I'm going to say werewolf, because it's not a werewolf. A werewolf is a man that turns into a wolf. A lichen was someone that was always there that could shapeshift into a man to protect himself. And that's how they survived for so many centuries, hiding amongst men. Uh, they would die off. They would only birth a litter of five and only one would be allowed to live. The other one would all kill each other. It's kind of a brutal existence if you're a lichen. You don't want to be a lichen because chances are you, you may not make it. You get like a, a, a one in five, one in six, one in seven, depending upon how many your litter are. Chance of survival. But... Yeah. Xavier is the head lichen and he lets his brother survive or his brother escapes or something happens that you find out later on in the story. There's a lot going on in this book. I realized on the third <clears throat> go around, I'm like, wait, I missed that the first two times. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, did you guys find it as confusing as I did? Uh, not really, no. because actually I, I know a little bit about uh, like lichens because of Underworld's main oh, character. Yeah, I never saw those movies. Yeah, very good. Main character in Earth, hot. Yeah, um, but overall, uh, overall, the um, the storyline kind it, it just really made sense, especially since it got broke down a little bit further with um, Xavier's story and where all of that was going with with him. But um, I think that one of the one of the things that had to had to have been said again the level of again the level of uh, fuck it. That is, that's in the characters right now. Like, Azil's like, okay, Mike, you're clearly not going to listen to me that mm -hmm. you need to start consuming human blood. So I'm going to put you to the test. And mm -hmm. Mike is judging the hell out of Azil throughout this entire encounter when he first gets there. He's like, why do you have this old, frail man, like, chained up? What are you doing? And she, yeah. and he's like, it's all right. And she even threatens Tommy to tell Tommy to, like, to stop. Like, don't, don't, inter don't you dare interfere in what's going on and hold back Augie. And it's everything that needs to get done. You know what I mean? Mike hates it, and I'm glad that he finally turned around for it. But I think that I'm just loving how quickly these things are moving in the book. Because mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm ready for some action. Yeah, definitely. 100%. It, uh, it, it gets into the action, especially after he kills the old man. And then he, he, he leaves, and he's, he's got to try to find out what else is going on. And he meets another wayward traveler, another guy that, you know, you find out that Azil set Mike up to kill someone, uh -huh. and Mike ends uh -huh. up drinking the blood of this guy, yeah. um, the the one on the road, because he's got a group of friends that are coming to kill Mike. They tried to attack Azil, the road bandits or road, you know, whatever they are, the highway guys that just, just you know, this is our road. You must pay a toll, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, you know, Azil takes him out and tells him, "Listen." There's another guy coming up behind us. You pay my, you get my toll from him and I'll let you live. And then he goes to get it and Mike ends up killing them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Mike realizes, oh, okay, I just got a B12 shot. This is what drinking human blood is like. And he starts to, he, he understands what it means to be a vampire. And in this book and in this series, we see a different side of Mike that we haven't seen before. This is, I am a century or two years old. 
The world has gone to hell. I have lost everybody that I love. I've lost all my dogs. I've lost my home. We've lost humanity. Bucket. Mike goes full rogue in this book. And it happens at the end of the story, which I don't want to get to yet. But he's starting to realize I'm a vampire. The world's gone to hell. I have to do these things to survive, despite whether he wants to or not. He fights it tooth and nail through every everything. And even Tommy will tell him, we have to go feed. And he's like, oh, great. Want to get a burger? Tommy's like, no, you need to eat, drink blood. And Tommy stops calling him Mr. T in this book. He starts calling him Michael towards the end. And that's mm-hmm. when I, I kind of picked up on that and went, oh, some shit's going to go down. This is getting serious. This is no longer the joking Tommy. Hey, Mr. T, you want a poop flavored Pop Tart? That kind of thing. It's Tommy's, you know, you need to stop screwing around, dude. This is getting serious. I think what always held him back in Zombie Fallout was his family. Not that that's a bad thing. I kind of, I'm not trying to make it out to be a bad thing, but I think he never really went, took advantage of his vampire side is because of his family. He was mm-hmm. ashamed of it and didn't want them to see that part of him. So, I mean, even if you look back, the only times he really took advantage of that vampire side was when he needed to, to save himself or his family. He was mm-hmm. always ashamed of it. He was deeply ashamed of it. But in, yeah, I- now this is 200 years later. He doesn't have a family to answer for, a wife, kids, dogs. Mm-hmm. And he just doesn't give a shit anymore. He really only cares about Augie. Mm-hmm. And I'll put I'll add one more word to what you what you just said. He only uses vampirism when he absolutely was fed up or needed to. Mm-hmm. And I think that was always one of the things that like uh he definitely shows some badassery, but it's like always for me, I'm like, why don't you just vamp out? Like, why are you not vamping out right now? Like this whole dilemma could have been done like 30 seconds ago if you just would have like vamped out already. And I think that in in this book, there was a lot of like um he had a lot of eyes on him. You know what I mean? How many people looked at him sideways when he did vamp out? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think the fact that he doesn't really have any, like everybody here wants him to. So he has to kind of tap into um, and kind of drop some of his morals that he had before and just be like, you know, tap into all your powers. You know what I mean? You're strong AF. Like <laughs> we need it. And we and they have to force it out of them, which is, you know, it's unfortunate they have to force it, but you can see just how much it's needed. Yeah, definitely. 100%. He, uh, he definitely needs to. He needs mm-hmm. to, to survive this whole thing. And if he doesn't, he's not going to survive. Um, and one beloved character doesn't survive. Mm. Um. Tommy goes the way of Trip in this story. Spoilers. Told everybody there's going to be spoilers in this. That's what Is that in this book? Listening to yeah. this and you haven't read Like and Fallout, that's on you. I mean, like, why would you read <laughs> this without reading the book? That's on you. Oh, no, you're getting... I don't think we give that enjoyable commentary to uh, to for you to read it and not read the book. That's crazy. Right. But well, we, I, I had somebody we... contact me today asking about the podcast. Like, hey, you know, he wanted to know about the timeline. He's like, I, I've read Zombie Fallout. I want to read all the other books. Is there an order, an order that they go that I should read them? I'm like, dude, just just open up a can of worms. So I sent him the timeline. He was like, oh shit. I'm like, yeah, good luck. Um, yeah, yeah. But Give he was asking money about liking. He said he hadn't read it yet. I said, you might not want to listen to this if you haven't read liking. He said, I like listening to the podcast because 
it has spoilers in it because it makes me want to read the story more. Uh, you know, it's kind of a- I remember when I, when I was like 14 or 15 first discovering these books and I saw how many there were and I'm like, I'm never going to be able to read all these. And mm-hmm. here I am five, six years later. And I'm, unfortunately, I've read them all. <laughs> that just means you get I to reread read them. Exactly. I've reread everything like three times. Yeah. I'm embarrassing yeah. about it. Now you got to get them on Audible and just, you know, listen to them at two times playback like I do all week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I really like, there was, there was two major parts. I think when uh, Mike ran into uh, Rama Lana, I thought that was like, that was just awesome because yep. I feel like, I feel like in uh, Lana is the uh, daughter, daughter of the of chancellor. The chancellor. That's what the word is. And it blows my mind because Lana is like she is like a mini Tracy. I, I kind of got that. I kind of got that thought process because she is fearless, but nobody mm-hmm. fucking sees it. Nobody sees how strong she is, how determined she is. And I think that um, just the connection that her and Mike made in the beginning. And personally, another reason why I feel like you should read Zombie Fallout before you read this one is because when Lana saw a Zombie. And you just heard Mike said, fucking zombies. Like you felt that. <laughs> like you felt that in your soul. Yeah. Like you, haven't, you haven't seen a zombie in over a hundred years. And you see one, you're like, what the fuck? Like really? And zombies are all supposed to be gone. You mm-hmm. know? And then you, you just get one straggler. Part of it was that man in the lichens formed a pact, sort of, to defeat the zombies. And then everybody went their separate ways. They went into, you know, we went to their corner of the world. We went to their corner of the world. And they defeated the zombies. So we thought all the zombies are gone. And Mike talks a little bit about the zombies going into stasis mode where there could be hundreds of them. And there's a part where Xavier, uh, Xavier Longtooth and Slate all come across a zombie. And they don't mm-hmm. realize that it's a zombie. They think it's just a stupid guy walking down the street with all ratty clothes. And... Longtooth is like, I'm going to eat him. And like, they don't smell right. He doesn't look right. I wouldn't do that if I were you. But Longtooth eats the zombie and Longtooth gets sick and he dies. So uh-huh. you got to realize that, okay, the Lycans would have an open buffet walking right towards you anytime you wanted, but you can't eat them or you will die. Uh-huh. That's kind uh-huh. of the, the, the Lycan dilemma of the future is, you can't eat, you know, it's kind of like the whole interview with the vampire, never drink the blood of the dead, never eat the flesh of the dead because you'll die yourself. Yep. It sucks. Yep. It sucks for them, but good for humans. Yeah. And it's also interesting how they just talk about um, how lichens don't necessarily have any empathy. Like when Longtooth ate the, ate the zombie, it wasn't like, oh no, Longtooth. They're just looking and observing yeah. uh, what is going on. And he's writhing in pain. And he's like, do you have parvo? And he's like, no, that's not it at all. It's like, a Bepto-Bismol, man. I gotta Something. Yeah, yeah, and then um, so it gives you just like a little bit of a beginning of a beginning of uh, how the lichens kind of got into um, uh, their introduction into zombies, mm-hmm. which I think, I think another important thing to note is that the lichens are so rare that um, having them have an, an even bigger threat than humans mm-hmm. was a big problem for them. So they already had a scarce food source because they, they can eat any meat, but they prefer to eat humans. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they already had such a scarce food source, 
And then now they have zombies on top of that. Now it's like they really had to like hide, like really, really, really had to hide. Yeah. And, and and they didn't thrive in that in the how many years that the zombies were, you know, running, you know, running rampant. And that really put a damper on like their clans. Yep. Big time. So, mm-hmm. I think the best part of the story that I like so far is when they go and they meet BT's great great granddaughter. And Bailey she Kine. lives in the town called Talbotton or Talbotville or whatever it Talbotton. ends up being. Talbottown. Yeah, Talbotton. Um, I think that's just awesome. She is the giant Nubian Amazon goddess that she is. And Mike is like, holy shit. This is my best friend's. This is my best friend kind of reincarnated several times over right here in front of me. And you find out that BT kept journals just like Mike after he left Mike. Mm -hmm. His granddaughter reads the journals and knows all about Mike and who he is. And that's why she made the town and she formed it, named it Talbotton. But the people at Talbotton don't think that this idiot here that's got the dumbs as they put it, <laughs> is the Michael Talbot. You know, you get yeah. the townspeople that are like, we don't they need to be you. taller. Yeah. You know, lichens are coming. Y'all better join up and y'all better get, you know, y'all better find Jesus because he's coming back and some shit's going to happen. And you always get the councilman. There's always that one asshole on the, on the board that is, we don't believe you. Nothing bad's going to happen. You know, the dam's not going to break. Everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's water gushing and you're four feet deep in, in, in water. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that I liked is that um, if I'm not mistaken, BT started the, the, the area and, you know, named it after him, but then he kept all the journals. But then, like I was saying earlier, his lineage mm-hmm. um, were the ones that were allowed to read the journals and know the truth of um, what BT went through. And I thought it was a little, this is always the thing that always gets me when it comes to history. Some of it seems so fantastical. You're like, there's no way Mike went through X, Y, Z, Mike went through X, Y, Z. And nobody, uh, and I don't think BT ever said in the books that he was a vampire either. No. So they're like, they're like, how could you be, how could you be, how could you possibly be the Mike that he was talking about? And then he says, uh, uh, Lawrence, he says his name is Lawrence. And he's like, she's, and Bailey's like, okay, I'll give you a sliver of trust. <laughs> like a little I'm pretty bit. Sure it was explained away by, I don't know which book it was in, but I'm pretty sure she explained that like he edited the journals or somebody edited, edited the journals to keep the whole vampire thing a secret. Yeah, but he didn't want him his, to, pro, to his close family had the unedited journals, like his grand granddaughter, and so she knew the truth that he was a vampire. Or I think that's how it was. Don't quote me, but I believe that's mm-hmm. how it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll hear as you read more, though. Yeah, and I I think that it was. I mean, I feel like it was just divine intervention that Bailey trusted, um, not trusted, but Bailey followed Mike to see where this really goes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I feel like, again, it's just, you know, BT following Mike. You know what I mean? Now it's Bailey following Mike. And it's just, I think that it just shows a, a level of, like, a part of you wants to believe that BT spirits in Bailey. And it's like, he knows, like, you got to be there to protect them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He need, he needs you here. And it's just, I think it's just a beautiful sentiment. Well, I think Bailey follows Mike, too, because it's, 
she wants to see if the legends are true, if the journals are true. Is this guy really as great as my great great grandfather wrote that he was? Mm -hmm, and I think she mm -hmm. finds out that yeah, he is. He is pretty much the badass and more that he was made out to be. The legend, the legend, the, the man is not bigger than the legend. He is the legend. He is exactly yep. what he was written about him. Which I think we awesome. need, I think we need a separate timeline book of the BT journals. Because if BT yes. got journals and he got into yes. shit after 16, where he went out and did his own thing, there were still zombies. There was what is BT's story? You know, BT's the incredible Hulk. He's walking down the street, getting into adventures with other people by himself. What is that like? I think we need mm -hmm. that story. And if I'm not mistaken, it's just it's just um, BT and uh, Mike's sister, right? It's just them two that le that left off. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of confusing because when he wrote this, BT and Mike's sister weren't a thing. But then in Demon Fallout, and yeah, Demon Fallout, Azil Azil puts a cast a spell on Mike that is able to see like all the features of both of them. Yeah, and that showed his sister's features. So I think it's kind of just Mark kind of pigeonholed himself and he didn't really realize it because, you know, first book was made like 10 years ago. He does that yeah. a lot. And also <laughs> in Zombie Fallout 16, um, a whole group of them left. It wasn't like when, when they split up in 16, at the end of 16, a group of them left. It wasn't just BT and, and Lindsay. It was a whole group of them. I, okay. I, don't, I don't remember exactly who, but yeah. Yeah, some other people left, but the only one that really counted to mike he lost his best <laughs> well, friend you one know? that yeah. only one matter yeah the, bt's the one yeah. that got away so to speak yeah 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 and then can we talk to just this i mean now they're now they're at the point at the uh in this part of the book where they're going around trying to talk to other people and let them know that there's a big threat coming and it is mind-boggling how people who are all about survival won't even heed any warnings. Mm -hmm. You know, they're 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 coming into town and they're not saying, "Oh, pay us pay us a healthy sum and we'll protect you from this perceived threat." You know what I mean? They're just letting you know, bro, there's a threat out here. Um protect yourself and here's how to protect yourself. I'm going to give you the things to protect yourself. But everybody's like, "Nope. Don't want to hear it." I'm like, a part of me's like, "Did your lineage survive zombies or not?" Well, because if somebody knocked like on your door like and told you, uh, like, today, well, not today, but, you know, in a couple of weeks, somebody knocks on your door, says a werewolf is going to attack your house tomorrow, would you believe him? I wouldn't. I wouldn't not believe him? Do you see what world we live in, sir? But the, Yeah, not world, one with people, werewolves. People know what I werewolves mean, are, though. People know that yeah. werewolves are out there in this in this series, in this timeline. They've Here's seen my thing. I feel, you know? I feel like in the world that we live in, Okay, if somebody gave me a legitimate fucking threat, okay, like just saying, look, this is what's about to happen, I'm not gonna not say it because then I'll be the dumbass be like, oh shit, they were right. As they were saying, you shouldn't go to work today. And I'm like, fuck it, I'm gonna go to work anyway. It's like, ah, bam, that happened. Like, come yeah. on, take a heat of caution. Take a heat of caution. I'm not saying I'm gonna go build a bunker because they said a werewolf is coming to get me. But mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not gonna go outside in the full moon, bitch. Like, I'm not, I'm not. 
come on, we could you can add a little bit of caution. There's nothing wrong with that, and that's and that's that's what I think is the point. You know what I mean? Like you guys are already living in survival mode. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's like I'm literally giving you everything to protect yourself. Just fucking protect yourself a little but bit. Even like, as Mike says, survivalists are untrustworthy. Not untrustworthy. They don't. They're untrusting and they're paranoid. They're paranoid that they are lying or you, you know what I mean. They yeah, don't I'm trust people, and they're very. They don't trust them. strangers, and that's yeah. what they are. They, they all know the Red Witch. They all know Azil is the Red Witch because you know she shed so much blood, and she got that reputation. Yeah. But they didn't like, like you said, Amber. They didn't go into town like you know they're not the mafia going. You gotta pay us protection money, you know. None of that. It was just hey, you know, get your pitchforks and 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 rifle yeah. and and bows and arrows. Here's what's coming. We all have yeah. to stand together as humans and fight this invasion. If you guys want to kill me after the fact, go right ahead. And even Azil, because Mike insulted somebody, you know, they got these old world things that Mike insulted somebody and there was supposed to be a fight. And Azil's like, you got to let him go. If he doesn't come back to, to feel his penance, I'll come back and do it. But we need you all to join together. And I know, mm-hmm. I think Azil said that because she knows that this idiot was going to die anyway and would never have to cash in on Mike's debt regardless. But yeah. this is what's got to be done. And they get to that point where there's kind of little teases and little battles and little stuff here and there. But there's the big battle at the end where mm-hmm. the lichens bite over 300 humans and turn them into werewolves. And they are going to do an onslaught attack on one town and they're going to try to just get them and and go from town to town to town or village to village, whichever you want to put it every full moon and wipe everybody out because Xavier Mm -hmm. is an asshole and he hates all humans. And he thinks that lichens degraded themselves by having to turn into humans to survive for so many years that this is their time now. There, it's the Goonies, you know. Down here, mm-hmm. this is our time, you know. Up there, yeah. them, we are down here. This is our time. The the mm-hmm. age of the lichen is coming. We are going to just destroy all of humanity. And the lichens look at werewolves as lesser beings because they're human. They don't see them as equals. They don't see them as you know. They're the 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 the, the grunts of the lichen world, mm-hmm. and they're going to mm-hmm. go and they're going to do it. And Mike has the brilliant idea of, okay, well, we know where they all are. And we know the full moon isn't happening until tomorrow. Why don't we go in preemptive strike, try to kill as many humans, horrible to say, as we can before they turn into werewolves and just overrun us like a virus. And they're just going to come at you like gangbusters. That, I'm gonna to like me, it. that that was Mike's idea was like, mm-hmm. he's uh, he's now, he's well, not Mike no more. Because the old Mike would try to save as many people as he can, get them as far away as possible, and mm-hmm. still fight them, as still try to save them as they're trying to eat him. He's just like, yep. nope. Look, gonna kill I'm going to be all. a... I'm gonna be a complete no, asshole not. when I... <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be a complete asshole when I said that. I was so frustrated that people didn't see where he was coming from like like honestly like right now me and my wife are watching a fear of the walking dead and i'm so pissed at how many times they get fucked over because they try to help somebody else yeah like i'm like this is not the time for humanity 
Okay, I'm like, you guys are not understanding this. And I think it was so frustrating for me now. And everybody's like, oh, you can't kill cold blood. And, da -da -da -da. and then Mikey's like, yo, they're literally in a day. They're going to kill you, your entire family with no remorse at all. But because they look human, you guys aren't going to do anything about it. Yep. Like now you guys, like to me, it's just, it's the worst. It's, it's, I guess it's empathy that humans have that they just can't get over the fact that they are going to kill something that looks like them, which is great. If it wasn't, we'd, we'd have a whole bunch of serial, we'd have more serial killers than we have now, but they're not taking into consideration that these people are essentially not humans mm -hmm. for that one day out of the night. And that day that they're not there, they can kill everybody this entire town. And you're not going to have a choice. You know I mean, what I mean? If, yes. If I was put in that situation, I don't know if I could do it. I mean, I if I needed to, I would. But just at the least, I wouldn't. At the least, I wouldn't disagree. At the least, I wouldn't disagree. If I, I wouldn't if disagree. I couldn't, if I disagree. couldn't stomach it, I just wouldn't disagree. Like, can I just shoot some arrows from a distance? Like, I don't know if I can get up close, but can I shoot some arrows? Like, I help out that way. But I think it's the, I think the fact that um, Mike is so emotionless at this point and everybody's running off of their emotions, then that's what just makes it more difficult because out of all the logic, it's not going to get over the fact of how people feel about doing, like, killing other humans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's... Which is, which is what fucking Xavier banks on. Yeah, he knows that that's going to happen, and he's hoping for mm -hmm. it, and mm -hmm. he gets it. So they yep. get the big... They do the big battle, and Tommy gets bitten. By a werewolf, and Tommy can't turn because he's a vampire, but he's wounded. And Xavier catches Tommy and he mm -hmm. grabs him by the neck. And spoilers three, two, one, he chops off Tommy's head. Was it Xavier that caught him? I thought it was just two random Lincoln. Was it? I don't know. I'd like to say maybe I, I thought it was Xavier. Hey, you, you listen to it more than I. <laughs> I'm trying to keep up with everybody's names, but. No, I Tommy gets killed. Yeah. And yeah. Mike goes ape shit. They're tending to the wounded, the wounded humans and the wounded humans who have turned back from werewolves. And Mike doesn't care. He goes and he tries to kill as many of them as they can. Men, mm -hmm. women, children. He goes into the church of Bob and tells Azil, get the hell out of my way. They just killed Tommy. I don't care who they are or what they are now. They are all dead to me. And Azeel mm -hmm. has to use her witch powers to hold Mike back, or Mike is going to go postal on everybody that can turn into a werewolf, no matter what. I thought that part was interesting because there was so, and Azeel was even up for it, on killing all the people before they turned into werewolves. But when they turned, Back from werewolves, they don't want to kill them. It's like, oh no, no, we're gonna kill you first, but then you turn into the bad thing. You try to kill us, but now you turn back into the good thing. We're not gonna to try to kill you now. You know, it's, it's like such hmm. a moral dilemma, though. Yeah, like, that, that, that's, that's what kind of hit me too with that. I personally, I could never do it. I could never walk up to somebody and put a sword through their chest mm -hmm. while they're screaming and crying and begging me not to. Just yeah, because they're be going to turn into monsters in a month. I, I mean, it needs to be done, but personally, I, I couldn't do it. I don't think most people could. All right. Nate, um, you're not on my team for the apocalypse. Hey, man, come <laughs> on. You're not on my you team. Just, 
you can retell the um the zombie stories as we're out there fighting. Nate's the guy um, that writes down the stories and keeps keeps the yeah, journals of everything that happened. <laughs> so so one of the things that I got from that from that aspect, I think Azil made a decision in that point. And I don't think the decision necessarily had anything to do with the um with the werewolf people. I think it had more to do with um she knows what bloodlust looks like. She knows where Mike, what Mike just tapped into mm-hmm. when he went after those people. And she has to, and I think she understands that everybody is like the adrenaline is wearing down from the, from the battle right now. If they see Mike do that, they're not going to trust him, mm-hmm. even though it needs to get done. Even if they take everybody out to a firing range in the back, cool. It's the tunnel situation again. You know what I right. mean? It's like, that's like, and we'll get to that later if you guys don't know about that in the book. But they, like, I think she understood that if, if she let Mike go ape shit on everybody that was in there, even though it needed to get done, they would completely be, I mean, they're, they're probably already terrified of him, but I think it would go over um, a threshold um, to see that there is no, like, he would look like there was nothing stopping him. Right. You know what I mean? And I think she had to really make an adult decision in that moment because Mike was just going crazy. And I think she just had to make that decision in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stronger heads prevailed in that instance because Mike, he was not in his right frame of mind. Tommy was the last person of family that he had. You mm-hmm. know, Tommy was technically his unofficially adopted son and he watched him die. He watched... Mm-hmm. The rest of his family died. He probably held Tracy in his arms when she died. And, you know, he was estranged from the kids. We find that out in, in later stories. But, you know, he watched all of his dogs die. There was even a time when, when in the beginning of the story, when Tommy talks about Augie, that, you know, you're going to raise this little dog, and but he's going to leave you in 15 or 16 years. And Mike's like, what? You know, it, why would you tell me that? It's it's the princess bride. It's like, why would you tell me this story? Why are you telling me that this thing I'm gonna mm-hmm. love for you know for 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 X amount of time is gonna die before me again? I'm gonna lose someone else again. And Tommy mm-hmm. is the only person holding on to that thread of of the past and sense of family that Mike still had, and he literally watched him get his head chopped off. And I I I don't blame Mike. For what he did, but I don't know if I could do it like Nate said. But to your point, Amber, yeah, now yeah, you're not. I my, get it. My apocalypse team, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd be that guy going. I don't know if I could do it. Yes, you have to do it. You know, I did that. The angel, good angel, bad angel <laughs> on my shoulders. Um, and that's. I think that's a good place to 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 end today. Um, mm. There's so much more in this story that we could talk about. This could go on. You know for hours because we haven't even gotten to the epilogue and you talk about Tommy's story as to what happened with Tommy and it kind of builds that bond with the lies are a little stronger that we'll see later on in this series um, mm-hmm. but final thoughts on like and fallout one rise of the werewolf amber uh freaking loved it i think that i love the badassery i love the fact of the battle um i i, I I'm, I'm not gonna lie i was thoroughly thoroughly shocked that Tommy died um thoroughly shocked that he died mm-hmm. I did not think that that was something that was going to happen he is he's literally been one of the most powerful characters in every single book thus far since he popped in you know what I mean and there's like he he almost seems like a party you feel that he's unkillable mm-hmm. even though you know he can die so I think that it was I think it was a major um it was a power move 
on uh, Mark's point to to off such a beloved character so early in the book um, and say, like, well, who are we going to be attached to now? Like, we've been attached to Tommy for six books already. Like, what are we do? What are we doing now? So I think it's I think it was a very big power move to try to get us invested in other characters and the storyline and what else is going to happen. Because if you could pull that off in the first book, what else are you going to do? Right. I was very disappointed that he killed Tommy, and I was shocked too because Tommy, you're right, he's like a superhero, like especially in the zombie in the zombie Fallout books. The mm-hmm. he's untouchable. He's like he's like a superhero. How and many times did you hear him say see, Tommy was a blur? Like, yeah. <laughs> and to see him get yeah. cut down by just two lichen. Well, well, from what I I think pretty sure it was two lichen. From him to just lose the two lichen, I feel like that's crazy. And then mm-hmm. I just feel like it was very disappointing because Tommy is just such an interesting character with so much depth and so much. He's so interesting and so knowledgeable. Just his story is crazy. And I think just to see him get killed in the first book, and we don't get to, we don't get to see him in any of the like and Fallout Fallout after that. I thought that was very disappointing because mm-hmm. I think he's such a good character. But I understand why he did it. I think he did it trying to distance distance himself from zombie fallout and try and make to make it more of a standalone book so i understand why he did it but it was just disappointing yeah i, I think the whole timeline not the timeline act the, the 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 meaning behind it was tommy sacrificed himself pretty much because he knew that this would turn mike into what he needed to become to fight the onslaught like tommy said the 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 sacrifice of the one for the survival of the many. And that was the whole, you know, you need to eat a person because you need to be strong because you need to protect, you know, the hundreds of people that are out there now, not even millions or billions. And that was said more than once. So I kind of had in my head, like, okay, who is going, what is going to happen? Who is this one that needs to be sacrificed for the the need of the many to keep people there? And what Mm. bigger person to sacrifice and to get rid of than to get Mike to put the fire up his ass to get him going than <sighs> Tommy. And Tommy even said it. It was kind of like, you know, trip going saying, this isn't my timeline. This isn't my story. You have to continue. You have to go. You have to go on. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to climb up on this door with you, Rose. You have to continue. I'm just going to sit here in the water and I'm going to die and you're going to go mm-hmm. on. You know, yeah. Mike's heart must go on. You know, Mike is Rose and Tommy is Jack in this in this story, so to speak. Yeah. Definitely. I, that reference went right over my head for a solid 30 seconds. I was sitting there, I'm like, huh? <laughs> talking about Callus Rose. I've never seen I've never seen Titanic. You never saw, I mean, it's a great movie. Uh, hey, you watch man, the last a, hour and a half. It's basically the best part of it, but it's a hey, good I'm, movie. I'm not a hundred like you guys. Sorry. Five billion people, you know, sorry. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but guys and gal, I want to thank you all for uh for coming on with me again. Absolutely. Uh Nate bummed we're not going to get to have you on for the next couple, but if you're 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 your nights free up or if we have a switch a night or if we can't do a Wednesday and we do a Thursday or a Monday. Um oh, I, I'm I off definitely every hit you Monday up. And, I'm off every Monday and Tuesday now. So every Monday and but, Tuesday. You know, I'm I'm actually starting a, a school, dental assisting school. So I'm gonna be there from six to ten every Monday and Tuesday. Oh. Well, yeah. Oh you're nice. Be, you're going for for you're gonna be a dentist, a dentist or a dentist assistant? Dent, dental assistant, yeah. 
Do you want to be a dentist when you grow up? No, just dental assistant. Yeah. When I grow up, I'm already grown up, man. I'm 19. You're only 19. Yeah, you're grown up. You're 19. You're still, still, a, grown up. You're still a baby. All right, man, you have so rent, much man. of your life ahead of you. I'm already paying rent. I have socks older than you, Nate. Okay. Please get rid of them. That's <laughs> insane. Please <laughs> socks. They're collectible socks. They just sit in the back of the drawer. So. All right. All right. <sighs> Guys, you guys, thank you so much. Amber, will we be seeing you next week? Absolutely. I wouldn't shoot, I wouldn't um miss it. All right. Same bad time, same bad channel. Guys, thank you all very much. Have guys. a good night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good night. You have been listening to the Chronicles of Michael Talbot, the podcast. Copyright 2023 by Chestnut Hill Studios. Hosted by Jeff Royds. Technical advisor, Mary Napoli. Music by Burnt Eggs. The Chronicles of Michael Talbot, the podcast, is property of Chestnut Hill Studios, and no part of the show can be remixed, rewind, remastered, rebroadcasted without the express written consent of Chestnut Hill Studios. Follow the show on Facebook at The Chronicles of Michael Talbot, the podcast. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating and review. It does help other people find the show. Make sure to check out all the other titles from Mark Tufo at marktufo.com or at audible.com. Or if you're one of those people that still buys books, they are are all available up at Amazon and they'll be delivered to your house, which is convenient. That is the end of the show. You may now go about your normal day.